What a great way to start our first Sunday of 2020. Amen? Amen. Gathering together, family and friends, to worship the risen Savior, the one who our hope is in. It's not a past hope. It's not just a future hope. It's a present living hope that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Glad you're here. It's 2020. Do you have any resolutions for the new year? What would be your goals, resolutions, as we start a fresh calendar year? My friend Ron Rogowski, he leads us so well in worship on the piano. Uh, I asked him this question on Friday and he jokingly said, he goes, my resolution is to have no resolutions in 2020. I was like, I like that. Uh, I was watching football. Anybody watch football over the last couple weeks? I was watching football this week and there was a Papa John's pizza commercial and the camera pans in on this glorious slice of pepperoni pizza. And it was right around lunchtime that I'm watching this and it just looked amazing. And the camera continues to kind of scroll 360 around this pepperoni pizza. Maybe you saw the same commercial. And then this voice comes over as the camera is showing this pizza and says, as far as resolutions go, there's always next year. <laughs> it's like, I love that. That is, that is good. Um, but maybe you're here today because one of your goals, resolutions, is to grow closer to God. And we commend that. That should be all of our goal, really, is we start a fresh year, is God, draw me to yourself. And even as James chapter 4 says, as we draw near to God, God promises that he will draw near to us. And so you're in a good space, place, if your hope goal is to draw closer to Jesus in 2020. One of the ways we want to help you with that, even beyond what we do here on a Sunday, is to offer things throughout the week. In fact, if you'll just pull out for a moment your bulletin booklet that you received when you walked in, I just want to point out on the inside cover that we start our midweek programs this Wednesday night, January 8th. And I'm really excited about the things that we have to offer that will help all of us grow towards Jesus in this new year. Uh, on the left side, you see the Alpha Course. If you're in a place where you have questions about who God is or, or how do I fit into this whole idea of being a Christian, uh, the Alpha Course would be perfect. It starts this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock with a free dinner. We have our very own Pastor Dave leading us through God's word as he looks at the Bible that Jesus studied, looking into the Old Testament. That's also at 7 o'clock in the chapel. For those that just want a fresh start from some habits, some addictions that are holding you back, we have Celebrate Recovery uh, here every Wednesday night on our campus. You can see the details there. And for those that maybe got a little uh, overspendy when it came to the Christmas season, this would be a great time uh, to go through Financial Peace University to find peace with our finances. I am not looking forward to seeing my credit card statement in about three days from now. So if you're with me, this would be a great thing to jump into. And so we just want to encourage you that what we do here on Sundays is important, it's invaluable. We want you here, but also we have great opportunities throughout the week to plug in. These are just four uh, of many. You can even look into our website for more from there. 
But our hope, our goal, our resolution is to grow in Jesus this year. And so with that in mind here on Sundays, we're starting a new series. We're calling it, What's the Point? And it's based on the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And so if you have the ability to look into a Bible right now, we encourage you to open your Bibles. There are Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. You can also pull one out on your phone if you have an app for that. If you brought your Bible, that's even great. Look into Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. I better get that right if I'm speaking. In the Old Testament. It's the 21st book in the Old Testament. It's located right after the Psalms and Proverbs. It's right before Son of Solomon or Son of Psalms and Isaiah. There are 12 chapters in this book. And it was written over 3,000 years ago. What we're about to read 3,000 years ago, this was penned. And so let's read chapter 1. And we're going to read 11 verses today and study those together. This is what it says. You can follow along in your own device or, or Bible in front of you. Chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David... King in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets, and hastening to its place, it rises there again, blowing towards the south and then turning towards the north. The wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses, the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, they will flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. That which, has been in, that which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which we might say, see, this is new? Already has existed for ages which were before us. There is no remembrance of earlier things, and also of the later things which will occur. There'll be, no, there'll be for them no remembrance among those who will come later still. Wow. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> How are those goals and resolutions feeling right now? Basically, Ecclesiastes starts these first 11 verses with this idea that life is temporary, it's predictable, it's boring, and it's unsatisfying. Welcome to 2020. And yet we know, I quote this often when I preach, but the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so there is a point and a purpose to why Ecclesiastes is in the scriptures. Why these 11 verses matter for us as we start a new year. As we ask once again, what is the point of this life? Do we just conclude that it's temporary, it's predictable, and it's unsatisfying? 
Is that what we finally arrive to? Well, I think you'll see that there's some nuggets here as we dig through this book over the next couple months. But first, let's just look at the reality of of what Ecclesiastes observes. That life is temporary. And so we have to ask ourselves, what's the point if life is so temporary? Who wrote Ecclesiastes? Well, it says in verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So we know from studying other parts of scripture that David had many sons, but there was one son who became king, and that was Solomon. Later in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it observes that, or chapter 12, it observes that uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes also put together and assembled Proverbs. And so we know from the book of Proverbs that King Solomon was most likely the, the author of Proverbs, and so we can conclude that it's Solomon here who is writing the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you study the life of Solomon, who's called the preacher here in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Solomon lived a really interesting life. He was what we would think of as the richest man who ever existed. Bill Gates... Was it Be- Bezos or whatever his name is from Amazon? All these guys would fail in comparison to the amount of wealth that Solomon acquired. We also know that Solomon was the wisest of wise. That he had all the wisdom that anyone could ever ask for. That God poured into him by his supernatural grace. Uh, supernatural wisdom. He was the wisest man who ever existed. Solomon tasted everything. Solomon experienced everything. Solomon had, if you read in the, in the Old Testament, had 700 wives. And he had 300 girlfriends. I'm not sure if that would be a wise thing to do. Actually, I know it wouldn't be. So Solomon experienced everything that he could possibly ever want to experience And yet, Solomon's conclusion is found in verse 2. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Now, this word vanity, we would think of like looking into a mirror and being vain, right? But but the original wording here in Ecclesiastes 1 breaks down a little bit differently. It basically means to be a vapor or a breath or a mist. So think of like a squirt bottle. I don't know if you can see this. But this is what Solomon's saying, the wisest man that ever existed, the richest man that ever existed. He's saying, as I've lived my life and I've experienced everything, I can conclude this, that life is like a breath. Life is a vapor. Life is yet a mist. It's here today and then gone tomorrow. This is what the point of life is, huh? And it's just, okay, experience what you can because it's all going to just disappear later on. It's like cotton candy, right? It might taste good in the moment, but then it just disappears into your mouth. Solomon concludes this about his life and about really life in general that we all experience. And then he gets into it in verse 3 and he says that life is predictable. It's boring, Verse 3 says, your work is in vain. Think about maybe those of us that 
felt rather productive before Christmas were able to clear out your email inbox or at least reduce it, right? But then you're going to come back tomorrow morning into work and what's going to happen to your inbox? It's full of emails once again. Maybe you're in sales and you ended the year really well and you're feeling really excited about that. And, and now tomorrow starts a whole new fiscal season. And you got to redo your numbers and, and even jump up again. Life's predictable. It repeats itself. You do one thing and then you just have to do the same thing over and over again. I mean, how many of you tomorrow at lunchtime are going to have the same lunch with the same people and talk about the same thing tomorrow? <laughs> Some of us like that routine. But Solomon concluded that that made his life boring. Just seeing the same thing over and over again. He says in verse 4 that generations will come and generations will go. I want you to think for a moment. What is the name of your grandmother's mother? Your great-grandmother. Pop quiz. Turn to the person next to you. Say hi. Happy New Year. Tell them the name of your great-grandmother. Ten seconds. (laughs) You can't look it up or text your mom right now. All right. Three, two... One, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but would you just raise your hand if you have no idea? No idea. (laughs) How many of you have done like those genealogies and you can go back like 17 generations or, okay. I need to talk to some of you after, but uh, yeah, pretty humbling, huh? Okay, think about three or four generations from now. If I ask them that question about you. What would they say? Uh, I don't know. I heard he like was a pastor at Calvary, but I don't know. Generations come, generations go. Tumbling to think about, isn't it? And then five through seven of Ecclesiastes chapter one says the sun comes up, the sun goes down, the wind circles around, same thing. Day after day, season after season, year after year. And Solomon didn't even live in California. (laughs) We have the same season every year, right? Or every day. 70 degrees. Dallas rains on ABC News. All right, here we go. Oh, Santa Ana wins. Okay. Season after season just repeats itself. Solomon concludes here that just makes life predictable. Therefore, life is boring. It gets better. Verse 8. Life is not only temporary like a mist, not only predictable and boring, but it also doesn't satisfy. Look again closely at verse 8. Says the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. You know, this verse was written, like I said, 3,000 years ago. And yet it still feels relevant for today, right? 
I mean, we have our modern prophet for the last 50 years, Mick Jagger, who said the same thing. I can get no satisfaction. So here we are saying the same thing that Solomon is saying here in verse 8. Just think about our TV and our phone habits over the break. I mean, doesn't it feel like you can just never find the program or the post that will completely satisfy you? I mean, remote controls have just been the best invention of the last 40 years. Because there's always the next show, the next thing to watch, the next season to binge. Our phones just scrolling up and down. What are we looking for? Nothing satisfies our own day-to-day lives point to that. 9 and 10 here in Ecclesiastes 1 keep saying that there's nothing new. I've searched and I can't find anything, Solomon says. Here's the guy who could have anything and everything and he's saying, I can't find one thing that keeps my attention. Nothing satisfies. So what's the point? Well, in our culture, people have attempted to answer the question of what's the point with their own philosophy. Really, every culture, every person has attempted to do this. You think about the ancient modern philosophy of humanism. I think we first really learned this in high school. In high school, we're taught if you get good grades, if you work really hard, That's going to open up a lot of opportunities for you at the next level. In college, you can go to the school that you want to go to, to achieve your dreams. So we're really kind of slammed and force-fed this idea beginning in those four years of high school. We're in charge. You determine your own destiny. And then we get into the school of our dreams. And then we embrace the philosophy of hedonism. The idea that, I don't know, maybe, maybe finding the right school is not as important as just partying. And finding enjoyment, merriment out of whatever's right in front of us. I remember going to USC on Friday nights when I was in college. I didn't go to USC, but I just would go over there. And they had a yellow line on Fraternity Row. If you've ever been there, maybe you've seen this still. A yellow line for when people were stumbling out of the sorority fraternity houses, completely drunk, they would just be able to find that yellow line and follow that back to their their dorm. (laughs) Hedonism is what many of our college students battle with. And are fed. This is what the point of life is all about. Sadly, many never graduate from this. They graduate from college, but they don't graduate from hedonism. And another philosophy is this. Materialism. We're really given and and fed this philosophy in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Here in Southern California, particularly Orange County... It's tough, right? Even to have an apartment, you have to make so much money to live here. Let alone to buy a condo, let alone to buy a house. 
once you get into a, a condo or a house, we've got to get into the next bigger one and, and the next bigger one and the next bigger one. And, and so we're just fed this idea that we've got to build our own little kingdoms. Possessions can satisfy. So get what you can get. That begins to fade away, though, as we get older. And the biggest temptation, I think, frankly, for anyone that's a senior citizen is this, is fatalism. The idea that life is rigged, resign yourself and live passively and cynical. May I just speak for a moment to anyone over the age of, say, 65. Don't let this philosophy grab a hold of you. We here at Calvary have such a unique and beautiful thing going on that we are a multi-generational church. We're not just a church full of people in their 20s. We're not just a church full of people in their 80s. We have every generation that God has assembled here at Calvary. The hope is that we can be better together, that generations can pour into one another. Senior citizens, anyone over the age of 65, we need you to reject this philosophy and instead pour into the generations behind you. Amen? Let's begin afresh with that in 2020. But that's another one of the philosophies that our culture feeds us. Tim Chadwick is a pastor in London, and he's written a great video, or he's produced a great video series on the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, you can find it on our Right Now Media uh, website. He writes, we have all this deep sense of oughtness. Things ought to go this way. Things ought to go that way. Wherever you're at, whatever your experiences in your past, however rich or poor you are, however educated, uneducated you are, I think we all relate to this quote. There's just something about this life and this world that like, what's the point? Like, it just feels like something's missing. This is a wonderful in and out burger. Sorry. <laughs> Just, it's missing something though, huh? Aaron Holm and uh, Robert Carter and I were all working here on the Calvary staff. We went last summer and picked up uh, Clivey Losi. Clivey is from Albania. He's 21 years old. And Clivey, if you didn't get a chance to meet him while he was here last summer, uh, is from Albania. He was our intern in our missions office First time I've ever been to America was last summer. And so Aaron, Robert, and I picked him up at LAX. And within his first 15 minutes of being in the United States, we made sure that Clivey had an In-N-Out burger. <laughs> Just doing our, our, our due diligence as American citizens. Clivey, this is America, In-N-Out. Imagine, though, that as we picked him up, we said, Clivey, welcome to America. We're so glad you're here. You're going to have an amazing summer. You've got to start off your experience by having an In-N-Out burger. This thing's incredible. You're going to love it. Oh, you're, just going to, you're going to want to have it every day. It's not that expensive. In-N-Out's all over the place. You have to wait like an hour to get a hamburger, but it doesn't matter. It's worth it. Like, Clivey, welcome to the America. Welcome to In-N-Out. And then we handed him this. An In-N-Out burger with no meat. I heard someone say, where's the beef? <laughs> what would Clivey think? Like, what's all the talk about? 
I, I don't get it. It's just bread and lettuce and a tomato. And well, that spread's pretty good. But, but other than that, like what? This is life, people. Friends and family, this is how our world lives life. Oh, I can't wait for this next thing. Uh, this is going to be great. 2020, here it is. And then they taste it and something is missing. Blaise Pascal in the 1600s, he wrote these profound words. All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire and both attended with different views. Though none can, though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. You see, we have this deep, deep hunger, all of us, all 7 billion people in the world in 2020 have this deep, deep hunger for something that satisfies. And we're given bread and lettuce and a tomato with no meat. And we wonder, what are we missing? We all have this desire, but it only can be filled by something that's in infinite and unchangeable. Well, ultimately, it takes 12 chapters to get there. But ultimately, Ecclesiastes arrives at this answer of what is the point? In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13 and 14, if you're in one, skip over to 12. It says this. Ecclesiastes 12, Chapter, chapter 12, verse 13. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God. Keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Fear God. Keep his commandments. What's the point? Fear God. What should I do with my life? Fear God. 2020 resolutions, goals? Fear God. I don't know how many of you saw or watched a movie over uh, Christmas break. Probably many of us saw Star Wars. Ford vs. Ferrari. Frozen 2. <laughs> Probably many of you didn't see this movie. But it's Meet Me in St. Louis, starring Judy Garland. It's a classic movie, nominated for many awards. Named as one of the top 100 movies of all time. Uh, Meet Me in St. Louis is known for several things, but one of the things it's known for is introducing us to the famous Christmas song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. You remember this? Maybe you heard it over the last couple weeks. Have yourself a Merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. So, Merry 
wow, you're an amazing choir. <laughs> that song was originally written by Hugh Martin. Hugh wrote that song for this movie. But Hugh was in a really dark place in his life when he wrote it. And those weren't the original lyrics to Have Yourself a Merry Christmas. His lyrics were pretty dark. In fact, they were so dark that Judy Garland would not sing them in the movie. But Hugh Martin dug his heels in and said, no, this is the song. I will not change the lyrics. Finally, it was a group of the cast of Meet Me in St. Louis that came to Hugh Martin and said, you have to change the lyrics of the song. It's an amazing song, but you have to change them to be more positive. Later, Frank Sinatra would cover this song, and he even changed them more, just to give that more of an uplifting tone. So Hugh Martin, as he wrote this, the lyrics to Have Yourself a Merry Christmas, was in a dark place. He eventually would become a drug addict, moved to England, and tried to end his life. As he was hospitalized in recovery, he went down to a chapel in the hospital and cried out to God. Said, God, what's the point? God met him in a real way. And Hugh Martin surrendered his life to Jesus. He ended up writing another version to Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas called Have Yourself a Blessed Merry Christmas. As his life was forever changed when he met Jesus and found that the point of life is Jesus. Barry Zito was a left-handed baseball pitcher in the early 2000s, part of uh, the Oakland A's Moneyball teams. Barry Zito signed uh, at that time, which was the richest contract in all of professional baseball with the San Francisco Giants jumping across the bay. But it led Barry Zito into this tailspin of, of going, what's the point of life? I have millions of dollars. I live a single bachelor life as a professional baseball player. I live in a house in Marin County that is bigger than five of the houses that I grew up in combined. And Zito thought about ending his life as well. In fact, you can read about it. This is a great book called Curveball. I encourage you to get it. It talks about his story of meeting Jesus. Barry Zito met Jesus and his life was forever changed. Is that your story? Have you met Jesus in a real way and has that changed your life? You see, Jesus can be found in Ecclesiastes. Jesus is the ultimate answer to what is the point. You don't have to turn there, but maybe you could even write these four verses down because they're so good. Put them in the notes of your phone or on your bulletin right now, or they're even in your sermon notes. But Matthew chapter 12, verse 42 says this, The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. It's pointing to Jesus. Something greater than Solomon's conclusions are here. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. 
I, meaning Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Colossians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, That is, Christ himself is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then you have to read, it's a little long for today, but you have to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 through 31. It's so good. Talks about that we don't boast in our own wisdom, but we boast in the cross of Jesus and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the point. Following Jesus, fearing him by following him in 2020 is the point. So there seems to be no greater thing to do to start off this new year, our first Sunday together, than to take communion together. To say, Lord, forgive me. It's so easy for me to be distracted. I want to refocus as we start this new calendar year. I want to move away from asking myself, what's the point? And then searching for philosophies that try to answer that question. And I want to ground myself in the person, the life of Jesus. And so we're going to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to pass communion, the bread and the cup. And will you hold it for a few moments of reflection? And then we'll all take it together as a church family.
Jesus really did it. He really lived the life that none of us could live. Jesus died not for what he had done, but what for you and I had done, sin. The grave, though, could not hold Jesus. Jesus overcame death, conquered sin, and is alive today. And whoever believes in Jesus Christ, the Savior, the leader, the Lord of their life, is set free. Set free from the penalty of sin and set free to have purpose. To be able to answer the question, what's the point with Jesus? Jesus. Jesus. With that in mind, as we reflect on what Christ has done, we look into 1 Corinthians and Paul reflects and he says this, For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread We had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after the supper saying, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.